0: Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no-bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. It's Pride Month, puppies and kittens, and so you know I had to get a gay-ass question. Let's queer it up, shall we? So here's a question that I have for Mary. I just made that name up. Mary says, I am a queer lady who is working through a lot of shame surrounding my lifelong attraction to women. I've known about my gayness since I was 15, and I'm almost 25 now. I'm just not showing up fully in the world and living authentically. I've been healing a lot of shame for a few months, but I wonder if there's anything in my chart that shows this kind of struggle. It's been most of my life that I've felt like I've had to hide, and it's really hurting my spirit. I am healing now and stopping the repression muscles, and it feels really good. Will I ever be able to live my best gay life? You're amazing. Love you. Mary. Mary was born May 2nd of 94 at 1142 a.m. in St. Petersburg, Florida. So we're going to get into it. Yes, of course, it is reflected in your birth chart. The reason why I say, of course, is because as an astrologer, I think most everything is reflected in the birth chart. But before we kind of get into the astrology or the spirituality of it, I want to just say you don't need a big, messy reason to be scared of coming out. It's okay if you're scared of coming out. I think something that we don't kind of talk about enough when we talk about the fear of coming out is that when somebody says to the world, I'm gay, I'm queer. What the straight world thinks is about your sex life. Now, if somebody says I'm straight, you know, think about them having sex. It's not the implication there. But for gay people, it isn't the same. For queer people, it isn't the same. There is a sexualization or a neutering that happens from the dominant culture, which is heterosexual and heterotypical, right? I want to just name that because. The first thing I noticed when I looked at your birth chart is that you're not comfortable running around with your sexuality all over the place. And that's not bad or good. It's just your nature. And that doesn't mean that you won't have your moments and your places and and all those kinds of things. But I think it's really fair to acknowledge that as a culture, we do sexualize people when they say they're trans or when they say they're queer. That is something that I think needs to stop, of course, and the more normalized these conversations about sexuality, gender, where we find ourselves in the spectrum of those things, the more those conversations become normalized, the less straight people will objectify and uh, sexualize and fetishize these things. And it's not just straight people. It's everyone who hasn't accepted themselves who is not necessarily straight. I think it's safe to say most of us, if not all of us, know sexuality exists on a spectrum. And there are people who are 700% straight or 700% gay, but most of us have some sort of exception crushes or fluidity or flexibility with what works for us emotionally and romantically or sexually. And it's really important to acknowledge that when we're talking about sexuality, we are not just talking about the physical act of doing it. We're talking about what makes us feel loved and how we connect romantically and where we feel safe and where we are invested. You might have a sexuality that is really fluid, but because you live in this world, it ends up on a binary. So now let me get into your chart, because when you use the word shame, my dear, The first thing I do is I look for the planet Pluto because in astrology, Pluto governs the experience of shame. The good news about this, though, is that where we have Pluto, yes, we are inclined to have shame and really deep feelings, but we are also inclined to have profound and powerful healing potential. And in your chart, you have a really strongly placed Pluto. It is in your fifth house, which is the house of love affairs and. Sexuality. It's one of the two big sexuality houses, the fifth and the eighth are the two. And it is conjuncture, north node in Scorpio. And so I want to say, I am so happy for you that at this young age, you are already doing the healing work of investigating your fears and your feelings and struggling to come out. It doesn't sound like the issue is being honest with yourself about how you feel in your body and in your heart. It's more about whether or not you trust the world with that information. And I think some of this is about when you fully let go, which is another deep concept of Pluto. It's this process of holding back or letting go. When you fully let go, then you're going to have to deal with people. But one of the things that you've come here in this lifetime to work on and to work towards is the embodiment of your sexuality without judgments and without self-destructive abandonment of your boundaries and your needs. This is just like some of your deepest work. And it is easier for you to try to kind of disappear into what you think other people want you to be, or what you think other people prefer of you or think of you. And this is articulated by your Uranus-Neptune conjunction on the Descendant and in Capricorn. And what this means is that There can be this way that existing in the world outside of your sexuality feels a lot safer. You're a lot more clear about what the rules and expectations are. I don't know if you have been sexually active yet or if you've allowed yourself to enjoy sex with people of the same gender, but this is tricky for you. You also have Saturn in the eighth house and it's squared to Venus. So for you, letting go of control in an intimate setting is really hard. I don't know if there was sexual trauma in your past or if one of your parents was a survivor of sexual trauma. But I think it's also pretty safe to say living in the world as a female is its own sexual trauma for a lot of us. Now, these particular configurations, Pluto in the fifth, Saturn in the eighth, indicate that your sexuality is deeply private. They indicate that your sexuality is something that is a deep passion within you but that when you experience deep passions, it scares you. It scares you about who you are and what you'll do. And it makes you feel really out of control. So it's easier to be shut down sexually around people, especially people that you're intimate or close with, than to fully engage the force of your passions. For whatever it's worth, this is not exclusive to queerness by any stretch of the imagination. But because you are queer, it's really easy for you to pin it on gayness. And in a way, as I said at the beginning, when we talk about being queer, a lot of times what straight people are hearing, and if your world is really straight and your you know your lifestyle is really straight, then a lot what you're hearing is just sex. And this isn't just about sex. It's about safety in your body. It's about your belief that you can self-regulate, that you can say... This is fun. Oh, wait, shoot. No, it changed. on me. it's not fun anymore. Please stop. And not having to defend, not feeling like you failed someone. Performance anxiety is clearly articulated in your chart. It's a big deal for you. And it's not fun. It's not hot. And so this idea of performing sexually or romantically or performing your gayness, being gay enough, all this stuff is pressure. That is what I would characterize as a total boner killer. And I should specify that I use the term boner to have nothing to do with anatomy. It's just, you know, it's a boner killer. So my dear, when I look at your chart, I want to give you the good news of this stuff. The past couple of years, your early twenties really were challenging around these themes. As of the start of 2019, you have really been struggling with who you are and whether or not you're going to let yourself be free or you're going to tie yourself to the constraints you've been living under. And if you tell me that over the last several months, you've been making progress, I'm so excited to hear that because this is not an easy time for progress, but it's a very important time for progress. If you're making progress, it means you're working really hard. And this is the thing about your chart. You're really good at disassociating. You're really good at keeping things on the surface. But when you decide to just fuck it, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to work on my shit. I'm going to confront things. I'm going to be brave. You're unstoppable. You really are. Really, you got to get out of your own way. There's very little else. I mean, I don't know, maybe there's a million things in your way. But when I look at your chart, I see that you are incredibly capable, just incredibly capable, but you psych yourself out. It has to be a certain way, or it's hard for you to count it as okay at all, right? And so I want to encourage you to really look at a couple of things. One thing is to cultivate in your mind or in your journal or whatever, cultivate a list. Of five people, ideally queer women, who embody their sexuality in a way that you find really lovely, in a way that is not closeted and maybe is more consistent with how you would want to embody your sexuality in a way that you really don't feel triggered by, that you feel inspired by. I think that because you have this Saturn squared to Venus in the eighth house, you do really well with modeled behavior. And I'm not encouraging you to compare yourself to others, not at all, but instead to have kind of like guides that you look to as archetypes of what is possible. When you compare yourself to others, you inevitably reinforce shame and reinforce fear, which leads to paralysis and self-censure, self-criticism, even self-erasure. What I want to encourage you to do is not reinvent the wheel, to see that there are so many people who've come before you who might be around your age right now, or they might have been around your age in the 70s. Doesn't matter. But what I want you to do is to find these people and use them as kind of like archetypes that you can throw on your altar and just be like, okay, that's one way I can do it. This is how it's been done before. And it might soothe you. And honestly, I think a big part of what you need is soothing. Because so much is out of your control. Oh my God, so much is out of your control. But what is in your control is how you care for yourself. And my hope is that you continue to do the work that it sounds like you're already doing of caring for yourself actively around your sexuality. What I have experienced as a queer person myself, but also as a person who has counseled countless people who are out of the closet and who are in the closet is that our sexuality does not exist isolated in our natures. And so when we keep it locked in a room or locked in a closet, all these other parts of ourselves that are attached to our sexuality, to our passions, our embodiment of our whole selves, get trapped in that closet with it. And when we come out, when we are willing or able to embody our truth, our authentic truth, all these parts of our nature that we never realized were locked away, that we never realized were true to us, come out alongside it. The reason to be out, the reason to be free is so much greater than the potential for dating or having good sex or falling in love and having a family. Although those are all great reasons, right? I mean, they're fantastic reasons, but they're also because you can't know yourself if you've decided that there are some parts that are not worthy of being known or not safe enough to know. It's not possible to fully know yourself. And I'm not saying this to further, you know, to make you feel criticized at all, but to hopefully inspire you to be interested in who you are. Who are you? It's, it's exciting. And I, I know that in your 20s, it feels like, oh, I've been doing this for so long. And you, you have known for 10 years, for a whole decade that you were queer, but you're still very young. You have a lot of life in front of you. And it's exciting that you don't know what that means yet, that you don't know what it'll look like. So I want to tell you this. Your big question here is Will I ever be able to live my best gay life? And the answer is Hell yeah, you will. Hell yeah, you will. And that doesn't mean it's going to be out on the club scene. And it doesn't mean it's going to be worth Birkenstocks at a bookstore. I don't know what it means. It could mean both of those things, either of those things. Those are stereotypes. That's why I said that shit. What I'm saying is your best gay life is just your life that happens to be gay, girl. That's all it is. Best gay life is just your best life. And for many people, their sexuality is, is the center point of who they are. I mean, if you look on Instagram, you will see the heterosexuals a big part of their identity is heterosexuality. Proud wife, proud husband. You know, these are very common like descriptors of identity. A lot of people identify themselves through their straight relationships or through their roles uh, in, in heterosexual or heterotypical dynamic. That's a big part of our culture. And maybe you're that kind of gay. Maybe you're going to identify yourself uh, as queer first. And that is a beautiful thing if that's your truth. But it doesn't have to be your truth doesn't have to be your truth. The cool thing about being queer is that it's not, it's not pre-prescribed for you. It's awesome. You get to innovate your life. You, you get to choose. Now, the truth is you get to do the same stuff when you're straight. You get to innovate your life when you're straight. Absolutely you do, but it is pre-prescribed. And you have to more actively reject that prescription of, you know, you date for X amount of time and then you're supposed to get engaged and then you're supposed to get married and then you're supposed to have your baby. And like there's all these supposed to's and there's like age markers associated with it. For queer people, because we're not exactly supposed to exist, there's not these same markers, right? That's super cool because it makes it easier to come to what do I want for my life because I can choose anything. so. I hope you get to enjoy your best gay life today, even if that means you're low key in the closet. I want to encourage you to embrace your gayness, your queerness, your weirdness, your uptightness. Embrace that 15 year old that knew she was queer and was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing this. Embrace all of it because it is through embracing ourselves, not not just being like, okay, I guess I'll deal with this, but truly embracing ourselves that life is worth living. And if you can't truly embrace yourself yet, embrace that. Embrace the pain in you that cannot yet embrace yourself. That's the key. Now, my loves, I hope this was helpful to you and actually a bit of a call to look at your own relationship to sexuality and how you do or don't identify yourself in the world through your sexuality and whether or not that's something you want to be more mindful of. It may be. It may not be. I earnestly don't have a strong opinion on this one, but I urge you to think about it. Straight is not the only way to go. Heterotypical is not the only way to go. Let's see what's your way to go. Figure out your way. Okay, it's horoscope time again, and my friends, this week is a doozy. There is so much going on. I should really just jump into it, but I'm not going to just jump into it. The first thing I want to say is it is a very special day because it is my audio editor's birthday. His name is Anders Howerton, and he is the software engineer behind Tiny Spark, my little beautiful and useful app that I've created and is out there for free on iOS. He also does amazing work taking out all the ums and awkward pauses. So I wanna say happy birthday to him and thank you so much for all of your support on these 51 episodes of Ghost of a Podcast. And in honor of his birthday, I asked him what he would like most. And in true Ghost of a Podcast fashion, What he has asked is, please give your dollars and cents to the Transgender Law Center at TransgenderLawCenter.org slash donate. And the link will be in the show notes. They do great work. They're a great organization to support. I hope you want to say happy birthday to him in this particular way. What a great way. Put your money into trans rights, my friends. So that said, we're going to go straight into the astrology of the week because as I warned you, it's a lot. On the 16th of June, we have a Mercury opposition to Saturn. And Mercury will also be trying to Neptune on this day. On this day, we also have a Jupiter square to Neptune. So I'm going to break this into two parts because there's a lot here. The first is Mercury opposite Saturn generally has us in a pretty negative frame of mind. Saturn is depression or depressiveness. It's rules and obligations. And Mercury is your thinking. It's your sense of Ease throughout your day. It's your connection with friends. It's communication in general. And so when these two things form an opposition, we tend to feel really stressed. And that can be because we are indulging in scarcity based thinking, or we feel victimized by our own brain going in that direction. Or it can be that there's actual problems to be dealt with. And because we're looking at an opposition, The way that things need to be dealt with is often interpersonal because oppositions represent energy that gets projected out or kind of needs to be dealt with in relation to others. And so if we're on this day, you know, somebody drops a bomb on you and you don't know what to do with it, my advice is to sit with it. Because Saturn opposite Mercury tends to make us depressive. It tends to make us negative. You're not in the right frame of mind around now to really sort through information objectively. Similarly, if you're feeling overwhelmed with negativity about a person or a situation, this is not a great time to drop a bomb on someone else. Wait 48 hours, my friends, I just say 48 hours. Honestly, I should say 48 hours, but that coincides with the full moon. So also could be messy. So just make sure, I guess, if you're going to say something, it's coming from emotional clarity instead of feeling overwhelmed by unpleasant emotions and trying to project them out or fix them by rationalizing them. Now, because Mercury will be forming a trine to Neptune at the same time, there's a greater indication of the potential for empathy, for being gentle with yourself, or being willing or able to see other people's perspective and consider multiple versions of what might be happening. That's a really lovely thing. Now, Neptune sometimes can be associated with martyrism or anxiety or idealizing situations and people. Now, because it's a trine and not a harder aspect, I don't really think that that's what we need to worry about. But it's worth mentioning simply because of the heavy energy that Saturn provokes. It doesn't always bring out the best in Neptune. These transits are occurring, you know, it's exact on the 16th. You're going to feel it day before, day after. And then there's this larger transit. And this larger transit is of Jupiter square to Neptune. Jupiter and Neptune are both, you know, they're very different planets, but they have great similarities in that they govern over uh, spirituality and religiousness. They are about big ideas, a sense of interconnectedness. They have a spirit and a sparkle in common with each other. Now, the spirit and the sparkle that they both have is quite different, but it is absolutely spirit and sparkle. You can quote me on it. When these two planets, form a square to each other, there is a risk of many things. I say risk because it's a square. And wherever we have square, we have conflict, we have challenge, and we have great potential for growth. But it's creative and dynamic. It's not easy and flowy. And when we are looking at Jupiter and Neptune on a personal level, there is the potential that you will be feeling crushed by some ideal or hope or vision that you had that isn't coming to pass in the way you wanted it to. This can make you feel demoralized or exhausted. There's also a risk that you will just be like, this is too much for me. So I'm just going to get lit. I'm going to drink too much. I'm going to take pills. I'm going to do something to totally check out, watch too much TV, eat to numb out, these are coping tools that we employ as a way to disassociate from unpleasant feelings and unpleasant situations. And whether they're destructive, creative, or neutral is really individual. But I urge you to consider that around this day. Now, because this is a transit between two outer planets, it's kind of long developing and it's not, it doesn't have the same energy as Mercury transits. What I want to encourage you to do this whole week, and in particular around the 16th, is pay attention to the stories you're running and make sure that you are not disassociating from the negative in efforts to prioritize the positive. Make sure that you are not oversaturating yourself with idealism, whether it's the idealism of being the perfect activist or the perfect date to someone or whatever it is, right? Make sure that you are not overdoing it in a way that actually makes you ineffectual, that actually hurts your feelings and makes you less resilient. The thing that I really love about the potential in this transit, and it's a little woo, so bear with me here, but the potential in this transit is that through the discomfort of whatever it is you're feeling, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're seeing in the world that is simply unjust and intolerable there is the potential to activate your relationship to interconnectedness. Your interconnectedness to spirit or God, your interconnectedness to resources through the intranet, your interconnectedness to others, and to spirit itself. And this is something I touched on in a very recent episode of the show, of course. If you are able or willing to go a little woo and around this state, Take time to get really grounded or centered in your body, however your body feels, wherever your body's at, and to feel your emotions wherever they're at, and to get present with what's real, with what's real inside of you, what's real in your life in general, and what's real in the world around you. Then you can start with the stage of acceptance and bring your interconnectedness, your connectedness to spirit, your connectedness to your values, to your community, to your family, whatever. You can bring that to whatever it is that is hurting your heart. When we don't consciously engage with this energy, it really tends to be the first stuff I was talking about, the disassociation, the more unpleasant stuff. But this is a beautiful opportunity. And as you know, we need compassion. We need empathy. We need power coming from compassion and empathy and interconnectedness at this time. And so this transit is an opportunity for that. If you can this week, and this will be hard because of the shit that's coming up, (laughs) which I haven't gotten to yet, but if you can this week, really catch yourself casting judgment on others or yourself, being a dick, whether it's in your thoughts or in your actions to others or yourself and justifying it. And I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't have critical thoughts or you should or shouldn't act in negative ways, right? Or like angry ways or whatever. But I want to encourage you to be present for it. Because when we act out, whether it's in anger or passion or criticism or whatever it is, and we do it in a way where we're not present, that's when we do things that aren't in accord with our spirit. But if you do it from a present place, when you are present for your own conduct, your own thoughts, feelings, actions, then it is much easier for you to be in alignment with what you're doing. Or you will feel like garbage. And when you feel like garbage, you can be like, oh, that is something inside of me telling me that I am pointing myself in the wrong direction. So check in with that stuff. Okay, nothing's going to make you but I really do believe it's an investment in your long term wellness. And that my friends brings us to the full moon at 26 degrees of Sagittarius at 1:31 a.m. Pacific time. Now, Every single time I talk about full moons or new moons, I get messages from people being like, Well, what's my time zone? Just know that I'm giving you the exact time from California, USA, and you just do your time difference. And that might mean, depending on where you are in the world, that it's on a different day. Just make the adjustment, okay? This full moon at 26 degrees of Sagittarius on the 17th is happening kind of sandwiched in this heavy astrology week. Full moons happen when the sun and moon. Are perfectly opposite each other. And they are a time where we are meant to let go. And we are meant to let go so much so that things come to the surface. Things get more emo and more intense, right? So, full moons are always meaningful because they're an opportunity for release. Before the release can occur, there's an opportunity for us to become more present for whatever it is that is real and true for us. That's kind of cool. Not usually super pleasant, but kind of cool. On this particular full moon, I really want to challenge you. Again, you you know, the transit that I just mentioned is in this full moon chart. I really want to challenge you to be present for what's real, to not even bother trying to repress your feelings or expect others to repress their feelings, even if this means drama in your life. Because the reality is this is a terrible time to pretend something is okay when it's not, to pretend that you don't care when you do. It's just a terrible time for it. This is an excellent time for you to strive to check your motivations and align yourself with what is true. Sagittarius is the, it's the archer. It's a sign deeply preoccupied with the truth and the pursuit of truth, not the single destination of truth. I don't know if you've ever seen that Sagittarius glyph. It's like, you know, the centaur got animal legs, running with an archer's bow. It's about forward momentum. It's not about sitting and chilling. So I urge you to channel that energy, seeking the truth. And that might mean spending time with your dear diary, or that might mean having challenging conversations with people. It doesn't have to look any one way. It really just depends on who you are and where you are, what you're struggling with. It might mean going through a Google, or if you're more like me, a DuckDuckGo, K-Hole and researching the hell out of something, to really learn about something, to unpack a thing, whatever it is, do it. This full moon is a call to action. It's simply a call to action. I urge you to rise to that call because we are in really intense times. Oh, my God. There's so much happening with the environment, with governments, with the oppression of people. I, I, I want every week to talk about all the things. But I am not equipped because there are so many. It is so crushing and heartbreaking to be present and to pay attention to what is happening in the world. I want to urge you to stay compassionate to the feelings you're having towards yourself and stay compassionate to others, to not shut down, to not shut down your personal development and your personal abundance and thriving, whatever that means for you, any more than you shut down your willingness to be here for the really rough stuff that is happening within humanity. Wholeness is not just about being in the light. It's about having the capacity to be with the shadow. And that that is really beautiful. It's not easy. It's not chill. But not everything should be chill or easy. It's power. And it's healing. And it's justice. So I urge you to pursue these things, my friends. And if you thought that was it, I say, oh, no. I'm so sorry. We're still going. Okay. So on the 18th, we have an exact Mercury conjunction to Mars in Cancer. This is an annoying transit, TBH. It just, it just is. Mars is agitation and impatience and Mercury again is your mind. So people tend to be irritated, a little accident prone, not as much in the way of like a Uranus transit will often make us accident prone as well. Mars accident prone stuff is really just like, I'm agitated. I'm not paying attention to my body. And then I bump into something, wear your helmet, be smart, be safe around this date. But more likely than anything else, you're just going to feel impatient and irritated. My advice to you is to be interested in your thoughts instead of to act like you got a spider on you and you need to shake it off. I don't know. Maybe that's not how you act when you have a spider on you. That is how I act. Do not just shake off your thoughts that are unpleasant. There's something to be learned about how you experience and express anger. Be here for it. Anger is not bad. Be interested in it. Be interested in what you're passionate about. Be interested in what others are passionate about. There is a risk that your tone of voice will be shitty (laughs) or somebody else's tone of voice will be shitty and you will respond to that. If somebody's talking to you in a shitty tone of voice, it might be because they're shitty. It might be because of you, but it could be because they had a fight with their mom an hour ago or they stubbed their toe or somebody was rude to them getting coffee. You don't know. So if you respond impulsively to somebody else's energy or tone, then you're just going to get into stupid battles. This transit can bring up ego battles. And if you think that's enough, oh no, it is not because there's so much more. We have a big Saturn sextile to Neptune, which I'll get to in a minute. But on the 19th, we have that Mars-Mercury conjunction forming an opposition to Pluto and Capricorn. Nobody, Nobody wants to hear that, honestly. You might not know that you don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you, you don't want to hear that. With this particular transit, I urge you to look at the news. I urge you to look at the news to see what angry men with weak egos do, because my guess they will do something impulsively and they will do something aggressively, and it'll make news. Mars and Mercury opposite Pluto. The risk here is power struggles. The risk here is your anger gets so twisted up or your ego gets so twisted up that you feel the only way to defend yourself is aggressively or the only way to set a boundary is to aggress towards others. This is a terrible, stupid time to get involved in Twitter battles. It is a terrible, stupid time to engage trolls the trolls will be out around this date. Okay. The 18th the 19th, the 20th, my God, even into the 21st, you just want to pay attention. Do not mess with trolls. And if you find yourself being a well-intentioned troll, I want to bring you in my friend, bring you in, pull it back. You're not going to win anyone's hearts or minds. You're not going to teach anyone any lessons around this date that's not what you're going to do. You're just going to justify their bad attitude or their bad beliefs or whatever. So don't do it. This is a time where the best case scenario from my perspective is that you learn something meaningful about yourself or others, how they relate to power or anger or forgiveness or punishment, how you protect yourself, how your flight or fight mechanisms function. You're going to get a little taste of that probably around this date, And I don't want you to be scared. Be interested. Be interested in it. Because if you can be interested in it, then you're not engaging your flight or flight mode in advance. There's really no value in it. What you want to be willing to do is to be present enough that you can watch your reactions and from a place of presence, respond with intention to your reactions and whatever else is happening instead of act from a place of reaction. Because when we react without unpacking it, understanding what we're really reacting to, we're often reacting to a million things that aren't happening. Or we're reacting in ways that justify our strongest feelings instead of our wisest feelings. Now, I did promise that I would spare some words for the Saturn sextile to Neptune. The Saturn sextile to Neptune is exact on the 18th, but much like I said about Jupiter-Neptune, and this transit is between two outer planets, and therefore what it means is it's like a bigger picture thing. These outer planets, the slower moving planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, they represent what is happening to us as individuals absolutely in a very deep way. In fact, when I read birth charts, the outer planets are what I tend to focus on the most. But when we are looking at the transits week by week, month by month, year by year, it is the outer planets that articulate and define generations. When we look at transits between outer planets, we're getting a kind of cultural shift download. The Saturn sextile to Neptune for me is a great breath of fresh air. It's opportunity because it indicates that there is potential for us to breathe empathy and spirit and compassion and humanity into our governments, our infrastructure, and even corporations. And I know that there are movements activated and efforts to do that. I know that that is happening here in the U.S. and around the world. This particular transit indicates a deepening of interest in that and a greater resonance of that energy. So if you are at all invested in any of those things. So Saturn is corporations and infrastructure and government, its hierarchies and even patriarchy. If you are invested in the system, this is a really good time to look at how you participate and to breathe all those Neptunian qualities. Not idealism in an airy-fairy way, but idealism in a humanistic, loving, empathetic, compassionate, and generative way. Find ways of relating to your life, structurally speaking. Find ways of relating to your job, your goals, your career, and the world around you that better reflect your spirituality, what you believe in, and what you aspire to be. Now, my loves, this has been a lot. It's a big horoscope. And, you know, I say that because there's a lot of details to recount, but also the energy of this week is It's a lot, and it's a lot of fast and big energy. And so I urge you to tend to your feelings before you tend to your situation. And on that tip, I will say, you know I'm going to be teaching a class on emotional intelligence, the astrology of emotional intelligence. Um, That's June 23rd, 3 p.m. Pacific. And I want to say a couple more words about it, simply because I am really passionate about finding a way to Be emotionally present through difficult situations. I am passionate about finding a way to be emotionally present through wonderful situations because my experience is that people disassociate through both. And in this talk, I hope to give you real tools for doing that. And as I've mentioned on the show before, it's my first live webinar if you can't make it live, it's no problem because you get to download it and keep it and listen to it 7 million times. So you can sign up on my website under the events page. You can go to Fresh Voices in Astrology, go there. You can also use the link in the show notes of this here episode. And I hope you will join me there. As always, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon. You can also support it by doing things like uh, subscribing, And starring. And if the platform you listen to this podcast on allows for reviews, sending me your most loving or fun review. I I love them all, as you know I do. And again, you know, if you're feeling it, if you're loving the fact that you heard very few ums and you didn't hear me stub my toe or anything embarrassing like that, then send happy birthday thanks to Anders and do that by donating your ducats and dollars to the transgenderlawcenter.org slash donate. Thank you, my lovers. Come back next week. Be kind to yourself and others. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.